0: Hello. And welcome to the South London Press's very first football podcast. Now we're pretty new to this, so please forgive the ad hoc nature of today's podcast, but with the dramatic changes at one of our South London clubs this week, we have decided that now is better than ever to bring you something we've been planning for a little while. I'm of course Edmund Brack, Crystal Palace and AFC Women Reporter for the South London Press. and I'm today joined by the godfather of South London sport, Richard Cawley. Rich, how are you?
1: I'm all right. I definitely didn't get you to say that, but I mean, it's it's, it's fitting. (laughs) That
0: was not planned, but it made me laugh. Uh, And we're also joined by Dan Marsh, senior football journalist at The Mirror, who has done a lot for the SLP over the years and also a staunch Millwall fan. Dan, how are you?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, thanks for that intro, mate.
0: Yeah, not too too bad. No problem at all. Right, first of all, gents, there's there's only really one place we start with our inaugural podcast. Um, In se 16 on Wednesday night, it was announced that Gary Rowett had left Millwall Football Club by mutual consent a handful of days short of four years in the job. Rich, it came to a surprise as many, but what was your new, uh, What was your thoughts when the news filtered through?
1: I think for people that maybe knew a little bit of background on this, it felt like it had been coming down the tracks for a while. I think probably something that was quite telling was maybe a few weeks ago, if someone had said, do you think Gary Rowett will stay for the whole of the season? I would have probably said to you, I didn't. I think that the relationship... Had got a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, a little bit jaded. And um, I think there was going to always be a part of the ways at some point. So it wasn't a major surprise to me that um, maybe the exact timing of it, but the actual fact that it kind of played out the way it did. Um, Certainly wasn't something that I was sat there thinking, crikey, that came from absolutely nowhere. Um, I think there's been times previously where the pressure has begun to be on Gary. And this happens to every manager, you know, with results. You're you're never that far away from being a danger. And I think he's always managed to um, then get some results and performances that have kind of taken that situation away for a little period. Uh, a perfect example recently, I think, when they won at Plymouth, uh, again, after the Swansea performance, I think there were some question marks. And we've, I think it's been touched on already in a few different areas that some of the supporters uh, or, or sections of the fan base weren't particularly happy with the style of football. Um, Norwich was a prime example of that, where there were chance and Gary kind of clapped when they did that, uh, which again seemed to be... I understand he was frustrated, but seems to at least kind of bring things a bit more to a head, but off the back of that, they then had another little run where they managed to get results. So I think that's been, it's been something that's been brewing for a while and, you know, it was announced by mutual consent. Gary Rout went on Talksport earlier today and said it very much was that he wasn't sacked and it, it wasn't packaged as something else. So yeah, he walks away having done, I mean, Dan will probably touch on it as well. He's, you know, he's done a a very, very, very good job. Um, They've been close to getting in the playoffs, Millwall. He didn't quite get there. Last season was a bit painful, and maybe we'll touch on that in a minute. But um, he walks away having done a good job, and um, it's it's obviously going to be very interesting to see what comes next.
0: It's very rare in football that a manager can walk away having said that they have this good job behind them, uh, leaving with mutual consent. But, But Dan, from a fan's point of view, obviously some of the things we've seen since the Blackburn game, the chance at Norwich... I was at the Rotherham game after they won 3-0 and Gary didn't take part in the Lap of Honour afterwards. Um, It's felt as though this is going to maybe come at some stage during the season. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, like Rich said, if you read between the lines a bit, I think some of the signs are there. I think definitely after Norwich, it's difficult to... It's hard enough at any club when the fans start turning, but especially at Millwall. Um, You know, that was kind of... It's hard to see a way back after that really um but you know in the cold light of day he, he's done a very good job um I think it's just kind of he said something similar on talk sport it's just kind of reached a natural conclusion um I think in my in my eyes that the end of last season after the Blackburn game to me felt like a natural kind of conclusion that would have been where I had maybe kind of have chosen to kind of shake hands you know thank you, you've done a brilliant job and and you know fresh ideas a fresh voice, because four years is a you know it's an achievement in itself isn't it four years in the job in a championship but you know there are benefits to that and there are negatives as well Um, it just yeah I, I don't think there's you know I've seen a couple of places kind of reporting that it's sackings and stuff which, which obviously isn't correct it's mutual and I don't think there was that a massively sinister aspect of this it was just a case of you know I think I think everyone had probably kind of had enough I think, you know, he's been working away from his family for four years and, and you know, kind of after last season. I, I think the hangover from that kind of, I know you said we speak about in a minute, Rich, is is kind of still, for me, that hangover is still there a little bit. It feels like we're we've not quite over the hump of that yet. Um, but yeah, I think on the whole, he, he did a very good job and he will be remembered fondly. I think um, the timing's a bit unusual. Um, in terms of the break, and I think you know, would it be there? Be, there would have been a warmer reception in the aftermath of that of that Blackburn game if he'd kind of if the two parties had agreed to to go their their separate ways. Then, but um, you know, he'll still be fondly remembered because you know he's done a good job. Whatever your opinion of him is, you, you know you can't. I don't think you can debate that. Really,
0: you both have mentioned the sort of hangover from that Blackburn game last season. Did you expect it to to be a problem heading into this campaign? Rich, I'll throw it to you first.
1: Um, possibly. I mean, the, the the thing when you look back at that last season, and I mean, I was looking through it. You know, when Gabby's been at the club, Millwall have gone close to the playoffs. But in previous seasons, I mean, I go back to 1920, and they finished 2019-20. They finished two points off the playoffs that 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 season. And I remember that I think they lost to QPR in the penultimate game, won the final day 4-1, I think, against Huddersfield. And after that, they were close. But it didn't feel before that like it was really a tangible and attainable thing for them. And I'd even go back to the season where they went to Bournemouth on the final day and they still mathematically had a chance of getting into it. But it was a massive, massive long shot. You were looking for sort of various chain of events to happen. Last season was the first time that Millwall were in the box seat, really. And in, in that they they had a really good shot at it. And when you look at it, they won two of those last nine. It, it—I mean, people talk about them choking um, and, you know, not being able to handle the pressure. And I think there's got to be an element of that because, yeah, they had some injuries, but they made incredibly hard work of it. Probably were other clubs feeling the pressure as well. Managed to have it in their own hands on the final day, and I mean, three-one up and losing four-three at home. It's an absolutely crushing, crushing blow. I mean, Dan will know the den by the end when the players come out for the lap of honour. There was people had gone. The people that were still there were kind of almost in shock. You know, there wasn't a negativity to it, but there was just this kind of quiet and stillness about the den. Um, so I think that was a factor. And I think, as people said, that could have been a natural break to, to finish there. We haven't had that. The home form, and I think Dan probably got some stats on this, but or at least one stat on it, but the den hasn't been as I mean, I, I made a joke the other day saying I could have a, a place in the Maldives if I for every manager opposition manager that says about the den being a tough place to come. And it it is, it can be, but it probably hasn't been enough of late and and particularly this season and maybe running into back season. So I think there are factors that are there. Um Goals again have not been mega easy for them to get. Um, they've had injuries, but they bought in Kevin Nisbet. You know, they've they've spent money on those sort of striking positions. So yeah, I think when you look back at it, whether it's a hangover from last season, whether it just hasn't quite clicked for the team, is a little bit tricky to say, really.
0: Uh Dan, I was gonna ask you about the signings that they made over the summer. If you look at it, Nisbet, Casper Danor, um even Brooke Norton cuffey in on loan, Joe Bryan on a free. Some some really impressive sort of signings, even Sarkic at the back. Um, do you think that they've needed a bit more time to gel? And and that's possibly what's caused a sort of slow, stuttery start to the to the campaign.
2: Um, maybe to an extent not. I think on paper, I mean if it was not played on paper, but if you were to look at the majority of our signings, I think in terms of quality, they've, you know, they've they've been okay. I think the if you're gonna if you're gonna pinpoint one element of that at the minute, it would be the injuries, obviously. Um a few have piled up, but I still think you know. In terms of, it, f- it feels like there's more at play than that. It feels like there's there's more to it than just a few players missing through injury. Like you know, it's it's difficult to kind of to pinpoint whether it is solely down to that hangover. Like I was there that day, and like oh, it was just crushing. Like, and it, it must be the same for the players and 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 the manager as well. And you know, I think there was a couple of bits over summer where they said it wasn't, um, but I just I just don't see how it how it can be and and theoretically that shouldn't affect new players coming in but you know yeah it's hard to to kind of put a a cap on it I think you know like Casper Denor has been been very very good um but you know like Rich said goals have been still been hard to come by and I I don't um I know a lot of people are critical of the setup um in terms of the five at back but I've seen us play really good football at the den in patches with a five at the back. I've seen us play really awful football in patches at the den with a back four. Um, I don't think, I think there's more to it than personnel and and tactics. I think to me, it just boils back down to the fact that maybe it's run its course. And, you know, like Gary said himself, it's it's just a time for fresh ideas and, you know, kind of a reset.
1: I think just quickly to jump in, I I think Gary, one of the things he would say about I think the five at the back was something that was a stick that was used to beat him with at times. And I think if you talk to Gary, Gary would say that if you looked at teams that went well in the championship last season, a lot of them played wing back. So I guess you kind of live and die by how effective it is and how entertaining it is. But I'll tell you something. I've got a question. When people talk about what they want from a manager, people have criticised some of the football under Gary. Um, But it's interesting, isn't it? Because having covered the club for a long time, I look at the way that teams that play possession-based football and maybe slower build-up, and does that really fit with Millwall fans who you know, want a team to be high-intensity on the front foot and it's not necessarily about some patient patterns of play and building up because, I mean, I've been there so many times with whichever manager it is where they're like, get it forward and stuff like that. So I think it's an interesting one, Dan, as to what, what kind of style would fit and be allowed time to kind of... Grow and, and become something,
2: you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I can't see like um like Russell Martin, for example, like that approach isn't gonna catch on, I don't think like I suppose the happy medium is somewhere in between. Um, I mean the only thing I would say is like I feel like football's moved on a hell of a lot in the last five years. Like, you know, I don't really think you can kind of get away with uh I'm not saying all we do is kind of lump it. I think they're, you know, like I said, in patches we played some all right stuff. Um, but I think kind of, you know, Needs to be a bit of realism as well. Like, you know, realistically, you, we don't want 100 passes along the back line, but, you know, a, a criticism towards the end of Neil Harris's regime was that it was very, very direct too direct. And, and, you know, you, you can end up just, you know, punting aimless balls. Um, I think, yeah, if there is an in-between, that would probably be the happy medium. Like, if you used to ask me at times last season, um, and even sometimes this season, what the kind of game plan was, um, I wouldn't really be able to, if you ask me what our on-pitch identity was, I wouldn't really be able to tell you. Um, there's an opportunity for someone to change that. But, yeah, it, it's not. Be, um, it, we're not always the most uh, patient of, uh, of fans. So it'd be very interesting to see what, what the club decides to do and, and what whoever comes in,
0: what direction they choose to take it in. Um, people will be wondering where, where Millwall are going to go from here, Rich. Obviously, Muscat's the early... Bookie's favourite, Kevin Muscat, someone who's taken the same route as new Bosch and Ange Postacoglu uh, and someone who was in for the Rangers job as well. With his Millwall history, do you think he'd be a good fit for, for where they want to go?
1: I think fans would like him. I've got to be completely honest. I've not watched his team play. I could pretend to know loads about how he sets them up and everything else. I don't know that. The, the, the sort of betting market's interesting, isn't it? Because all it needs is a little bit of money put on it. And all of a sudden it shifts it. I mean, eventually you do tend to get to where it's kind of like a manager's heavily odds on. And that tends to be when he's told people close to him that he's got the job and then it gradually filters out and people start putting money on. So I I think think Muscat's an interesting one, certainly by the sounds of things. He's obviously done extremely well at at, at Yokohama. Um, And so I think he would be obviously one that I'm sure that the club would consider. John Eustace has been mentioned as well. Again, they did a very good job at Birmingham, but they wanted a high-profile manager in Ray Rooney, so he's kind of lost his job without any merit to that. Um, I think one thing that's for sure, by what I understand, is that there were sort of very quickly, as you'd expect, applications and interest and all that kind of stuff going on. So uh, there have been there have been a few people saying, "Is the timing because it's the second week of the international break?" indicative of the fact they've already got someone lined up I don't think it is like at all I think Gary's left when he's left and the club will now do the process so the idea that there's going to be one that we can say right now yeah they're, they're, they're in pole position I don't think there is um, it's an interesting one where they go with this because you know you can go for a more experienced manager you know like a Chris Wilder type or there's probably a middle ground but there's also those kind of young managers and we've seen it obviously with McKenna at Ipswich it's worked out tremendously well but it's what Mill will want to do uh, moving forward and I don't think they've necessarily I think it's probably fair to say they haven't necessarily completely parked everything in one particular area I think they'll interview everyone then make a decision but they're definitely going to have some really good applicants I mean it's a you know it's a club that's under Gary as well in particular has established itself at championship level. They've had a go at the playoffs or got close to the playoffs um, and they've got a good squad of players when they're all fully fit. So I don't think they're going to be short of people that are going to be really, really credible contenders for this. And it gives them quite a nice position. The, the other thing is as well, it's it, the timing of it hasn't come that you're suddenly thinking, my God, we need to act really quickly here. We're really in trouble or with this. They've, they, they, they could take a little bit of time to see who they want.
0: Uh, I was going to say to you, Dan, as well, this is an attractive job for someone throwing their application into the ring, because if you look at where Millwall have been in the past few seasons, in and around the playoffs, some good money spent on the squad, someone like ZM Fleming, Tom Bradshaw with the amount of goals that he scored last season. There is, uh, there's lots to be excited about for a potential new candidate.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're a stable top 10 championship club. I mean, you know, compared to what it was when we, even when we first come back into the league, like, you know, by our standards, we've spent a fair bit of money in the summer. Um, you know, as a manager, I'd like, you know, you talk about um, John Eustace obviously being given the, the boot by Birmingham. You know, if you're a manager in the Championship, you know, working for a club like Mill with owners like the Berylsons is the dream because, you know, you know you're going to get time. You know, I, I'd argue that probably, if anything, it's kind of been a detriment in the past. Like in terms of Holloway is the one that springs to mind. Maybe we, we stuck with them a bit too long you know, if anything, you're going to get a bit too much time at Mill rather than not enough. Um, so definitely, I, I think, I, I don't think fans should underestimate that. Um, you know, Gary did a very good job. Um, like I've already said, I think it kind of, it's kind of reached its natural conclusion. Um, and there is an element of, you know, it's been steady progress for four years. Um, <laughs> odds are we're either going to take the next step or, you know, we could be in for a, a bit of a pumpy ride for for a little while, but you know, we're in a good, we're in a good spot. We're a stable, well-run championship club. And I don't see why people wouldn't be interested in that. And I think, you know, that all, you know, stuff will come out about people who are interested in stuff I assume So, you know, that will come to light
0: in the coming days and weeks. Have you two been surprised by the reaction outside of the den in terms of, you know, some, some media outlets or some fans of other clubs have been been pretty sort of outraged at, at the decision taken, but it's, it's very much mutual consent between the club and Gary Rowett. It's, uh, as you two have both mentioned, it feels like the natural coming to an end of a relationship, Rich.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a bit like a relationship where once you've been in it for a while, and I'm not saying this necessarily that it applies that way, but <laughs> <laughs> you get my point. Like, I think as you go along, eventually certain things begin to feel a bit more too much of a routine. And Gary's touched on the fact he's he's lived away from home and, um, for a, a section of a time. I think he said it on his um, uh, TalkSport interview that his son was 11 when he first started. He's now 15. Um, so I think, I just think that people outside might not understand it, but internally or within Millwall, I think you probably could feel that something was happening. Um, I, I think one thing that, again, it could be coincidental, but I mean, Gary was back on Sky Sports on their sort of Soccer Saturday shows this season. And it kind of, that could have just been because I mean Gary was obviously doing uh, media work before he took the Millwall job, and he probably has done it in between. But he's, I've seen him a bit more on there, and I wonder if he was beginning to think, you know, what fairly soon I might want to take a break. I might want to get back into doing the media work, which obviously he's very comfortable doing. So I just I just think that they've kind of parted. It is what it is. I don't think there needs you know I don't think there's a great deal more to really. You know, really bring to the table on it. I think it's it's something that was going to happen at some point this season, and it's happened early enough that there's so many games left to play that you know they've they, they've got a real shot. If they, no one could say they haven't had enough time. Although a new man's going to take a bit of time to get his head around the squad and, and and what he wants to do with it. Obviously, Adam Barrett in charge in the short term. He was he did it before when um, Neil Havis left. Beat Leeds in his first game. Um, at the Den, which is not a bad way to start. And he obviously knows the players really, really well. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they go at Preston and, and how much they change things away from what Gary's done. Because, I mean, obviously Adam Barrett's not got a lot of time to to really change too much, I wouldn't have thought, going into this one.
0: And Dan, same question to you. Were you surprised by the reaction outside of the the football club? Um, not really.
2: I think he's kind of par for the course, isn't it? Like, Unless you're kind of there every week or have an active interest you you can kind of think you know some people have probably just looked at the table and which is fair enough like maybe not this year's table but last three four um but you know it it has just come to a a natural conclusion I think you know once you look a bit deeper and you look into kind of the the game so far and you know people in the in the media have commented will know um you know will be aware of what happened at Norwich you know it doesn't you know. We can be a fickle bunch, but it wasn't just you know. There was, there's a reason for that, and there's a reason it's kind of all come to a head. Um, mm. You know, things weren't as rosy as they may have seemed initially. Once you delve a bit deeper, um, so I'm not surprised, but I don't think it's kind of. I think it's just part of the course, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think as well. The other thing I think is going to be interesting is obviously whether some people might say that there was this sort of glass ceiling and that Millwall could have really climb above where they are at the moment. Um, I'm not saying I agree with that at all, but the facts of the matter are that Gary's finished twice in eighth, once in ninth, once in 11th, plus 60 points each season. But the beauty is we're going to find out now whether someone else can come in and actually surpass what he achieved, which as we've already touched on, really solid achievements. I think the other thing that's key is that Millwall are going to want some of their young players to really kick on. and. In particular, you've got a, a youngster in Romain Essay, who, um, Town wise, I mean, in preseason, danger is in preseason. You get a bit carried away, but he played brilliantly at Gillingham. It was preseason, uh, in a sort of central role that probably he wouldn't play in the league. But I just think that, like, you've got when you've got Towns, and he's obviously away with England at, at, at junior level as well. The one thing you don't want is players slipping through the net. Obviously, Millwall had it. I'm not saying there was any fault with Ebereche But You look at what these players have gone on to do. And I think making sure these young players kick on. I mean, Idemo, as well, has been really, really bright in some of his performances. It's just important that they kind of kick on. By the way, I've got to say that the main SA this season, in the matches so far, I think in the league, hasn't quite happened for him so far. Not to say it won't do, but these are really, really important players to Millwall that in future could be worth a lot of money.
2: I think yeah. so. Yeah, like that's kind of, I'd say that's probably been my biggest disappointment of the season so far. It's not, you know, I think you're right. I don't think Romain has kind of um, set the world alight this season, although I think the expectations on him are quite a lot after last year. But, you know, Idamo has, has looked really, really... Good and um, I think it was a Rotherham game that kind of you know we were in a pretty comfortable position and it would have been a good chance to kind of get you know some minutes and I, I don't think it happened or if it did it happened quite late um, you know f- for us as a club like you know we have to we have to kind of hone in on that young talent because we've not got the money to compete and spend five six million pounds on a player you know we've got a player in remain who's playing every international break with some of the best kids from Arsenal, Man United, Man City, Liverpool. And, and it's, you know, it's difficult to kind of translate both talents into the Championship at times against teams like Rotherham and stuff. And, you know, I know there was a, a highlight reel that went viral of his, um, I think it was against uh, when he scored um, in the break and he looked, you know, he looked brilliant. And obviously he wouldn't get that much space in a Championship game. You know, there are kind of um, mitigating circumstances. But for me, I think that's that's probably been one of my disappointments of the season so far and, and I think I think that's probably one thing the club will have in mind you know I think it's spot on we want to be making the most of these talents but you know to either build them up as, as big big players or, or and when the time is right sell them on so we can you know rebuild and go again
0: in terms of the team uh, We're going to bring that Millwall part of the pod to an end in a minute but I wanted to ask you both if there are any special games or moments with with Gary Rowett during his time as as manager of Millwall Football Club that stick out to you over these these past few years, Dan will go to you first.
2: Um, best one was probably the Charlton home game. Um, I was banging in line with Matt Smith right at the end, that was that was good. Um, into I don't know, yeah, into one that stands out for all the wrong reasons is Blackburn, unfortunately, and I think it's just because it's still so raw. Um, I think in terms of topping it, though, that Charlton one was a, was a big one at the time. Um, that'd probably be. Um, that'd probably be my top one.
1: Yeah, I think yeah that was that was obviously one that was memorable for the the nature of the win, wasn't it? And uh, Matt, Matt Smith scoring the winner. I mean, Gary also, we, we, you know, the Millwall Charlton record um, is something that's kind of brought up so often. And obviously, Gary also won the other game, didn't he? Which was um, mm. which was over at the Valley, which was behind closed doors because obviously, one thing that we haven't really touched on. And I wonder if it would have made a difference in that 1920 season, because I think that was the COVID season, if I remember correctly. Um, the game at the Valley was behind closed doors, and obviously they won that one as well. So he had a good record in that. I mean, off the top of my head, there's not particular performances I can think of that really sort of just come straight to mind. But I'm sure there were some. I mean, I think, I think uh, that quite often with Gary, I think, and this is maybe a bit of a Millwall sort of, sort of thing that happens is that quite often when the chips are down they produce you know like they they get a result and you. Plymouth's an example of even recently their home record was unbelievable you know Millwall go there having lost to Swansea and you know it not being good and then they go there and they win and that was something that Gary was good at doing you know like when the team did have a little dip it wouldn't tend to last very long. And I think that's, again, the reason why, as you say, longevity-wise, second-longest championship manager were you know, at, before he left. I think he was eighth um, in the top four divisions. So, yeah, there was always the good performances or good, or, or, or good results that kind of kept things ticking over.
0: Uh, We're now going to hear from interim Millwall boss Adam Barrett, who spoke to the press today ahead of Saturday's trip to Preston North End. But firstly, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Dan for joining us today. And I'm sure uh, along the lines, he will 100% be back on the podcast. So cheers, uh, Dan, for joining us.
2: Yeah, fingers crossed, lads. Thank you for having me. Pleasure.
3: Thanks,
1: Dan. Thanks, Dan. Top man. Thanks. Uh,
3: I think it was uh, was a shock. Um, I wasn't expecting it. And it sort of all happened uh, quite late. Uh, in the day yesterday so it's been a bit of a whirlwind evening <laughs> and and morning but yeah I was, I was I wasn't expecting it I was surprised um so yeah it did definitely come as a shock to us you know we've been very strong in the division now for a, a, a good few years um obviously last year it was disappointing just to miss out but um yeah like I said we we've, we've been very competitive very strong in the division and um so when when Gary decided to to leave it was Definitely a surprise and one that uh, wasn't expecting. I spoke to him last night, um, of course, you know, I worked worked with him for four years and, um, you know, he, he was an experienced manager coming, so I enjoyed my time with him. You know, I got a lot of respect for Gary and, uh, and always will do. Uh, and it was a good learning bit for me as well, learning off a, another manager. So, um, yeah, I spoke to him last night um when we had, we had a quick chat but it was uh, it was quite a hectic evening as you can imagine yeah i mean look i'm a, I'm my own man uh, i've got my own ideas um but obviously it's very very quick and the games upon us with you know with the, the squad with the injuries we've got as well so we're probably limited in in options um so you know it's there's not a lot of time to um change too much or anything like that and like i said we we've been pretty strong ourselves anyway so it's a case of getting in getting the boys prepared making sure you know that this sudden shock to everyone is, is as smooth as possible and and the lads trained really well today which i was delighted at and the attitude and the application's been superb so um it's now just making sure we prepare and, and get ourselves right for a tough tough game
2: this will be a quite a sought after job i know quite a few managers who are out of work will be applying for it do you see this as being some sort of um, audition for you? Do you want the job full-time or is it just very much short-term?
3: No, I've been asked to take the team uh, last night and my full focus is is on Preston. You know, it's such a quick turnaround. I haven't had time to think really the last sort of 24 hours. So my main focus is getting the lads ready, getting them prepared, getting the messages in. And all we're all I'm focused on now is is Preston at the weekend. Like I said, my, my focus at the moment, it's it's something, the gaffer left, which we weren't, you know, I was surprised that he had that he um, decided to leave. It's all come very, very quickly and, and you know, I haven't thought about anything else than making sure the team's right, um, we're prepared as possible. Like I said, I've had a hell of a lot to try and sort out uh, behind the scenes at the moment. Um, and to make sure people are in place. You know, um, Paul Robinson with me, Kevin Nugent stepping up from the 21s. There's been a hell of a lot to organise and Preston is our focus. Um, You know, the fans have been tremendous and ever since I've been at the club nearly seven years now and they've played a a big, big part. They support us in our numbers up and down the country. Um, All I can tell them, you know, from myself, as I was as a player, and as I have been as a coach, um, I've got me my own standards and high um, high standards. I'm going to demand off the off the guys. I not understand what the football club's all about and what the the supporters expect. You know, and I want to put a team out there that's going to represent that uh, and one that's going to play with uh, the passion and the the aggression that they want. Um, so you know, the fans will be stuck behind us. I'm sure they're going to give us all the support and. We've got to make sure that we give them something to chat about.
0: We're now going to get into the question time part of the pods. Um, Rich and I are going to get into the questions that you sent over the past twenty four hours or so. It's obviously quite heavily Millwall based with the news um, but over the weeks. I'm sure as we as we get more and more pods out there um, across our four main clubs. If any of you ever want to send in any questions, please feel free to to email or tweet them to us. Um, the first question, Rich, is from Danny MFC99. Who's asked about rumours on managers and has mentioned John Eustace and whether he's one Millwood could possibly look at.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely will be one that will be on the list. I mean, if you you know, if you look at what he achieved at, at Birmingham and the sort of untimely sort of ending to his his spell there, um, I think he'll definitely be one that will be in the be in the sort of contention. Um I suppose he's got to actually be ready to come straight back in, but there's absolutely no reason why a young manager is not going to be absolutely desperate to get back in as quickly as they can. So, I think I think he's one. I mean, in terms of other ones at the moment, I think it's still probably a bit early to be talking with real total clarity about oh this person's in for it, that person's in for it. Obviously, Millwall tend to, uh, well, clubs generally tend to keep a tight lip on it. And I think I think what you tend to find is managers that, having done this over the years, when you're trying to speak to managers who are actually in for the job and have a chance at it you'll find that they won't actually pick up the phone and talk to you and they won't actually have off the record chat. So I think sometimes it's quite difficult to unpick it. What you might get is managers that say stick my name out there because I want it. So a little bit different because they're kind of, they're, you know, they're they're kind of snookered at that point and they're hoping they're going to somehow pull themselves into this pull themselves into the equation. So yep, yeah. yeah, John Eustace, I'm sure, will be, I would have thought, one of the ones in the mix for it.
0: Yeah, a question I've come up with, because of, uh, obviously a lot of them were Millwall-based. In terms of with the 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 project that Millwall have been having in the past couple of seasons with their managers, you know, it's been, it's been quite long that they've been in, in charge of the football club, Gary, nearly four years. I'm off the top of my head, I'm not sure how long Neil Harris was there, but it seemed like a few. Um, is that is that another route that, that they'd be looking to go down or would it be more of a short-term thing or have they quite decided yet in terms of what, what they want to look at?
1: I, I think it's an interesting question, actually, because I do wonder... People look at manager upheaval as being a bad thing, but, of course, sometimes that kind of churn can still get you results. And, yeah. you know, we can talk about other clubs. Gary Rout, the second-longest serving, but there's ma- there's managers that are in the championship, but there are other clubs that haven't had that length of time, So, and they've had success. So I don't think it matters. I, I think the thing about how long someone's been a manager for it doesn't always necessarily indicate that much. I don't think it matters if Millwall maybe go through a couple, but then all of a sudden the combination clicks and then you might be in the playoffs or you might actually get promoted. So, I mean, obviously we all know the Premier League is like a game changer because once you get there, particularly a club that hasn't been there like since the money came into the Premier League, as Luton are finding now, it's something that you can use to kick your club on in so many different ways. So hmm. I, I think maybe the longevity that we've had it could still happen. But would I be surprised if we had shorter spells in charge? Absolutely not. I wouldn't be surprised at all.
0: Yeah. Um. Quite a few of the questions people were surprised about the sort of the out of the blue nature of of the appointment. But I think we kind of touched on that in, in part one. But. I mean, it didn't It didn't surprise you really too much, did it, that, that it came? It felt like maybe something that had been coming for a while. So I guess we yeah, can, can touch on that again.
1: Yeah, a million percent. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. it was just one of those things. That there were a number of different factors. I mean, people are talking about family life. Uh, someone, I think, had asked whether the Boo Boys had driven Gary out. I don't think it got, you know, like I wasn't covering the club when Ian Holloway was, was manager, but it sounded like it did get pretty, pretty bad um, at the den before Holloway left. It was, never, it was never really like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, w- would Gary not have wanted the fans chanting some of the stuff they chanted? I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously, he's not going to want that. But I think it was just a combination of things. And if you look at Gary's career, you know, Millwall's the club he's been at the longest by far. I mean, he was three games off 200. So sometimes it just feels like it's time for a change for a manager. I think the club I think the club were relaxed about that as well and that's the reason we've got to where we are.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably the end of in terms of questions but if any palace charlton or wimbledon fans are listening please feel free to send in questions for future pods and we'll obviously do our best to to touch on those subjects.
1: Yeah, we uh, yeah, at the moment we've almost got the L plates on with this. We're kind of feeling our way into it. We've talked about doing, pod, doing a pod for a while um and whether people might be interested in it. So it's a process and yeah, we'll try and uh, I'm sure certain weeks, obviously, club- other clubs will get more time and we'll we'll chat about them in a bit more detail. OK, then, now we're on to Crystal Palace. Let's have a little look at them. Obviously, in action after the international break at Newcastle United, it could be some exciting news on the team front. One of the summer sign-ins that there's a lot of excitement about could maybe get his first minutes maybe.
0: Yeah, indeed. Mateus Rancher uh, could be involved for the very first time since joining Crystal Palace over the summer from uh, from Flamenco. I mean, this this kid, there's a lot of anticipation around him, 19 years old, Brazilian attacker. I've been watching clips of him all week and convinced that the club have signed Ronaldinho reincarnated, the way that he flicks the ball over a defender at the byline. Or he looks a real talent. He looks a real, real talent, Rich. I think Obviously, the the sort of going into this season, it's probably going to feel a little bit like Michael Olise's debut campaign for the club, where you drip feed in minutes here and there, comes on for a little short substitute appearance, maybe starts an FA Cup game, and then he hits the ground running and he, and he's ready to, to implement himself in Roy Hodgson's team. I think the the cautious aspect of it is that Roy, you obviously need to a player needs to earn their trust under Roy Hodgson. It, it's taken Jeser and Raksaki a while um, since the start of the season, but it feels like maybe he did that in the last game before the international break against Nottingham Forest. And Francia's is going to have to wait his turn. But in terms of an impact player off the bench, um, Crystal Palace's match day squad is going to be boosted tenfold, hopefully on Saturday with the return of Mateus Francia, who, who missed the start of the season with a stress fracture that was detected in his lower back during his medical. Uh, in terms of what sort of player he is, Dougie Freeman scouted him quite thoroughly from, from what I understand. Went to Brazil a few times to watch him. Um, this was the one he wanted, the one who is convinced that once he shows Roy what he can do in training, he's going to be the best player. So it's uh, it's quite exciting for for all Crystal Palace fans looking at it. This is uh, I mean, he's got a Ballon d'Or clause in, in his transfer, so it's uh, it's it's one that if 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 goes as according to plan, could be a really exciting move for the football club.
1: And you're missing some key players. You have been missing key players, haven't you? Mm. Um, we t- touched on there, Michael alise Obviously, there's been plenty of other players that have been absent as well. So adding to that, getting that bench a bit stronger is obviously going to be a huge boost. And I think you said in a piece you've done for the paper tomorrow that you, there's hope that there could be even more of the first-teamers back for the, the game at St James's Park.
0: Yeah, it, it's looking it's looking likely that Czech Dekore and Jefferson Lama are, are, are probably going to be back in the first-team fold, Joel Ward too. So, you know, if you're looking at it before the interno, international break, Palace had four or five academy players on the bench. Ola Adebomi... Malcolm Aboue, um, Jaden Raymond even got a call up to the bench. That that just shows really where where this squad has been in recent weeks. They're all obviously very talented youngsters, but they should be outplaying their trade in in the lower divisions. Not they they're not ready for the Premier League. So it's uh, it's exciting. I think it's probably one of the main frustrations of the season so far. As Palace and Knights in the Premier League have one of the best defenses in the Premier League, if not the best defense with Sam Johnson keeping four clean sheets. Um, yeah, the, the defense has been imperious since Roy returned. Really, but if you thought going towards the end of last campaign with what he did with Eze and Elise without Zaha, and going into this campaign, if you had Eze, Elise, and Francia all fit at the same time, what, what Crystal Palace could be doing. There's a really exciting core group of players there. Um, and through injuries and through a, a lack of deficiencies in the in the summer transfer window, where they failed to properly sort of bolster the squad adequately, they find themselves slightly lower down than where they maybe deserve to be. I, I don't think they've been outplayed or outclassed in any game. Uh, I think it's, it's a fair comment to say they probably could have gotten something from every single Premier League outing. So it's uh, it's exciting that these players are starting to slowly come back into the fold. It's just getting Eze and Elise back on the pitch at the same time is, is the main concern.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it'll be huge when you've when you've got that as well. Uh, yeah. look, obviously, you like your FPL. I like my FPL. Yeah. So there's a key question here: Have you got Sam Johnston in your team? Thirty-eight points, along with Leno at Fulham, has got the most points of any goalkeeper in the game.
0: I do not. No, no, I do not. No, I have I have Areola because he's four million. So, uh, uh, so
1: you've gone yeah. for the cost saving. Yeah, you've gone for I the have, cost saving. Yeah. I mean, do you interesting. Have a- uh, no. I well, I did. I did at the start of the season, and then I made a few changes. So Thank I did you. have Sam Johnson at the start, and I should have probably kept him because, you know, Palace defensively so good. I mean, one of the stats that I saw on Twitter before we did this, Crystal Palace since Roy Hodgson's come back, have conceded eighteen goals and faced sixty-four shots on target. Um, only Man City have conceded fewer goals, fourteen. Uh, and only Man City and Arsenal have faced fewer shots on target. So, yeah, again, underlines, defensively under Roy Hodgson, as Fulham fans know, and I'm obviously a Fulham fan, you're never really going to go far wrong with Roy. He definitely, definitely, with those injuries and everything else, he still keeps the team super set up well, super organised. And, yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think I think Palace probably have one of the best defences outside of the, the top six in terms of when you're looking at it on paper. Um Mark Gahy, Joachim Anderson are are absolute rocks at the back for the football club. I mean, their partnership is, you know, I'm I'm not wise enough or old enough to know about the teams of the 90s or the 80s, the one that everyone sort of celebrates and hails the teams that reached the the FA Cup final. But in terms of the modern day, those two are probably the best partnership alongside each other that the football club might have experienced. Um, The way they play, one steps out, one stays back, one goes for the header, one marks the defender. It's it's really impressive to watch and when you've got Sam Johnson behind them who's probably playing the best football of his crystal palace career at the moment and a large part of that i think has been the arrival of Dean Henderson who seems to have pushed him on and he's probably maybe even feeling that pressure a little bit but he's doing the basics so well rich it's his kicking's improved his handling his positioning it's it's been a real joy to watch Sam and he got that deserved england start the other night against australia because of it um Tyre mitchell seems to have improved his game you know there was a Slight concern after the FA Cup semi-final, and when he got that that England call-up, that maybe whether he plateaued a little bit and maybe reached his potential and and didn't know where to go next, and whether that was going to be pushing on or or falling back. But under Hodgson, since Hodgson returned, he's been he's been excellent, a very constant and solid performer week in week out. And Joel Ward too, very good. And when Nathaniel Klein came into the the team against Nottingham Forest, perhaps some question marks over his cup dis- displays this season, but. In the Premier League, he was outstanding and kept Cullen Hudson and Adoy really quiet. So, yeah, and they've got options as well: Rob Holding and Chris Richards to come off the bench. You know, they're not he's, you know, Richards is an international, and, and Holding has a wealth of Premier League experience. Signed for a million pounds, so it's uh, the defense and the goalkeeping department is, is as strong as it's ever been. And it's just a shame that when you look at the top end of the pitch, that that they are quite light. Now, Rich, in terms of Charleston Athletic. I'm beaten in their five outings so far under new boss Michael Appleton. They host the Reading side this weekend with their own problems off the pitch. What's been going on in in SE7 this week?
1: Well, this is weird. Charlton's been quiet. It's been too quiet. You know, I I always talk about my my clubs being like problem Charles, problem (laughs) my children. And Charlton has persistently been the naughty one in the corner that my wife will say, oh, God, another phone call about Charlton. All you do is waste your time covering Charlton. And I'm like, no, I cover other clubs as well, and we cover other clubs in the paper, but Charlton have always been the one that, particularly in recent years, yeah, they've kept me busy. So, yeah, not loads to talk about for Charlton this week. It's not to say there isn't stuff going on, but it hasn't been, obviously, the main focus, uh, understandably, because of what's been going on at Millwall. They did make a goalkeeper signing this week. They've they've, they've signed Sam Walker, very experienced, out-of-contract goalkeeper, was formerly at Wimbledon for a period, uh, came through the ranks at Chelsea and you know, play quite a lot of football at Colchester um, uh, and was playing in Scotland uh, before before this season. So few concerns, well, not few concerns, that's wrong. Harry Eisted has got a knee injury. They haven't got an experience back up to Ashley Maynard Brewer. So Sam Walker is coming in up until January. I guess they then review it as long as uh, Isted is OK and back in, back in the squad Then they're going to be, um, uh, you know, I would imagine that would be it. You know, like Sam will end up going somewhere else. Um, in terms of other stuff going on with them, uh, FA Cup draw was, was a nice one. It uh, would have been nice if it had been Horsham for me because that's my local team. I would have loved Horsham, Charlton. Um, uh, so as I had one of my shortest ever. I mean, Crawley Town's quite close to me, but I could probably walk to Horsham's ground. So, uh, But Cray Valley's a really good one. Local team, yeah. Um, you know Kevin Lisby's son scored two of the goals, um, uh, in their win over Enfield, which which actually put them in the hat. Um, and Kevin Lisby actually played for Cray Valley. I mean, he, his career went on and on, you know, he carried on playing at the lower level. So, I'm sure as we get nearer to that, we'll have focus on that in the paper, and there'll be probably a bit of media focus sort of wider away from that as well. Uh, the only other thing, as well, Anthony Hayes officially leaving his role. This was always going to happen, it was a question of when because. Michael Appleton, obviously, when he was appointed head coach, um, I think there was probably a feeling initially he'd quite like Jason Pierce to stay on the coaching team. But I think Jason Pierce is learning his trade in the academy and I think he wants to do things in the right kind of process. So Anthony Hayes wasn't involved once Michael Appleton came in. And um, I think there was obviously a conversation going backwards and forwards and confirmation that he's left. Um, Spoke to Michael Appleton at the training ground this week. And in terms of the... First team, another coaching position, I think he wants to add, he was saying that there was no major developments in that at that particular point. So that's about it. Women's football-wise, we've got an interesting one. It is Charlton v Palace. Um, Palace flying, so um, doing really, really well. So, um, again, we'll have some kind of coverage of that in the paper next week. And, um, you know, we're probably, I'm hoping Keith Gillard, Super Keith Gillard will be, at the game, I would imagine, and probably uh, giving us some lovely pictures as well. So, that's about it. Obviously, they've been going well, as you say, um, under, under you know, since Michael Appertons came in, they've kept things ticking along. If you look at the league table, um, down in 14th, but only five points off of Bolton, and they've actually got two games in hand of Steve and his Charlton, who are in fifth, and they're only six points ahead. So, yeah, there's a gap to make up, but uh, reading reading on saturday is a chance to to do that um and begin to make further inroads into that gap.
0: I wondered whether you wanted to touch on one of the a couple of the interviews you had in the paper this week with the Charleston players one in particular Lou Watson who who you had a good 20 minute chat with this week down at the training ground.
1: Yeah he was he was really interesting. You walked away from it thinking wow like um what do I what angle do I go in on? Um he um he mentioned that the the respect he had for his mum's football judgment in the family have because his, his younger brother Noah is in Crystal Palace's academy uh, or in the development set up there he's a defender um his dad actually played and I think had the spells manager as well some of it in non-league uh but he said his mum uh described he said that the family call her Pep Guardiola because she's got such a good tactical brain on her and um there was some other interesting stuff in there he um he had a very interesting first encounter with Wayne Rooney, which I won't say more than that. The piece will be in the paper tomorrow, and uh, yeah, fascinating guy to chat to. Um, and yeah, sort of walked away from it, sort of thinking, yeah, that was quite. A, it's nice when, like you'll know, when you get a not good interview where someone chats and Louis seemed really relaxed, seemed a really nice guy as well. Um, so that's that's in the paper, and um, yeah, it was it was it was it was good fun. So. Um, yeah, check check that out if you get if you get a chance, if you want it, if you're a Charlton fan, because I think there's there's quite a bit in there to have a look at. Okay, Ed, we're moving on, back onto you, a spotlight back on you with, with AFC Wimbledon. Mm. And um give us an update on where things are at. Obviously, um, you know, Ali alhamdi back, I think available and uh for the game at the weekend. And and perhaps Wimbledon, yeah. they've got to find find ways of coping when he's not about.
0: Yeah, 100. Uh, percent What they don't want it to become is is what happened with Crystal Palace when when Wilfred Zaha was there for a, for a period under Roy Hodgson, where it became that Palace just couldn't win without him. Uh, Ali Alhamadi will be going away quite a bit this season with the the Asia Cup in January, the internationals again in November, uh, and Wimbledon's two defeats so far this season have come when he's not been in the side against Stockport and and uh, and Bradford. Um, and they, they've been not no, they haven't been limp performances without him, but you never felt like they were really going to get back into the game. They didn't really possess the sort of potency that that caused the lead two defenders serious problems like Al Hamadi does every week. Um, they signed Ryan Sanford towards the end of last week, uh, only as cover because Nick Zanev was was away on international duty with New Zealand. Sanford's obviously been training there since mid-July, so probably a deserved short-term deal and he'll have to go on the bench again next month when Nick probably goes away with, with New Zealand. But in terms of Wimbledon, there isn't a whole lot going on um Jack Curry's back and performing well he'll probably be picking up interest in January Ethan Sutcliffe's returned from his loan but he's sort of stuck because he can't go out and play for two teams so he'll have to get minutes in the trophy um which they take on Crystal Palace next month which is a South London press derby so what I'm looking forward to I'll be getting out the half and half laptop for that um but the main thing for for Wimbledon this Saturday is bouncing back against Barrow they've got a really good squad this year um there's some some really, really good core group of players, Ryan Johnson and, and Joe Lewis. You know, I'm mentioning Joachim Anderson and, and Mark Gahey for Palace. It's very similar in the partnership that they bring to Wimbledon. They're, you know, one of the best defenses in the league. They create a lot of chances. Aaron Sassu's an exciting young talent. A pay uh, yeah, an interview. Yeah. First paper interview with him this Friday in the SLP. So uh, there's lots to be excited about. And in terms of where Johnny Jackson is in, in his management career as well, Wimbledon perhaps looked a little bit streaky last year, went on these went on that 10-game unbeaten run, then lost a whole host of games. It doesn't feel like that this year, but they don't want it to become a situation where without Ali al it becomes very tough for them and they sort of get that mental block. So, yeah, a good chance to, to bounce back against Barrow this weekend.
1: Do you, do you feel that they are in the promotion push or promotion picture for the long haul or not?
0: It's a tough one to call because because of Ali going away in January, especially Omar Bagel's opened himself back up. The international call-ups again with Lebanon and they've also qualified for the for Asia Cup. When I spoke to Johnny Jackson last week, he said it was something they're going to have to keep an eye on because if you're losing the two main star strikers, they're both sort of starting week in, week out and keeping Harry Pell, Josh Davison, Connor Evans out of the team, it's uh, it's going to be a big blow to anyone in that division. You know, Alhamadi's obviously attracted interest from, from top league one clubs, so I wouldn't be surprised if that starts up again uh, in January. Who only have off the top of my head, a year, a year and a half left to go on his contract then. So it, it would be the time where they probably have to start looking at maybe selling him to get the optimum price for him. Um, I think since Craig Cope's gone in there, they've shown that they can replenish the squad quite well and, and be quite shrewd with some of the acquis- acquisitions that they make. It, it seems like a, a very tough League Two, but at the same time, it, it's it's close, but at the same time, it's not nobody's necessarily running away with it. You know, Notts County have conceded, a handful of goals against against each team that they come up with and they're top of the league so as long as they're in and around it towards january they've always got a good chance um and it feels it feels slowly but surely like plow lane is becoming home again so it's uh there's lots to be optimistic about heading into the the later stages of the campaign that that brings to an end the uh the very first episode of the south london press football pod rich thank you very much for joining me this afternoon
1: Cheers
0: for all your hard work on it, Edmunds. Uh no problem no problem. Uh, please tweet us if your, your views, good or bad. Uh I'm at Edward Brack on Twitter and he's at Rich Crawley SLP. Um obviously as the weeks go on we'll be looking to bring you more and more pods depending on what happens across our four main clubs and even in, in non league football as well. Um so yeah, we hope you've enjoyed it and uh, talk to you soon.